Welcome to the FPC Thomasville podcast. We believe human life has a designer. So learning to live by design will help you thrive in all your spheres of influence. Today, Dr. Tim Filston's message is titled, A Silent Affirmation, as part of our Silent Night sermon series. The scripture passage for today is John 1, 1 through 14, which will help us answer the question, how does Jesus' birth affirm us? Our new series for Christmas is called Silent Night. It's letting Christmas speak for itself. This morning, we're talking about a silent affirmation. Imagine a 25-year-old, and he's had a sweetheart for a couple of years, and he's ready to propose. Now, he's seen several of his friends do this and become increasingly competitive and elaborate in the way that they do it, and one of them maybe uh, jumping from an airplane, another uh, scuba diving, and so forth. He decides he wants to keep it simple. So he gets the ring, and he decides to propose by text message. Now, you may think, oh, that's ridiculous. You made this up. Now, I did, yeah, see, right there, someone's already making plans out there. And you may think I made this up, and I did. I made it up, but I checked, and guess what? It's actually a thing. You know, the medium is the message. The, the medium or the way which we send a message needs to be commensurate. It needs to be equal with the message itself, an intensely personal message needs an intensely personal delivery. Now, you've, you've experienced this where you've, you've chosen the wrong medium, right? You've, you've sent an email when you should have had a, at least a phone call or a face-to-face, and because you tried to deal with something weighty with a lot of emotion or maybe a misunderstanding, you created bad feeling or more trouble for yourself, right? And then you had to have the face-to-face. You put it off and then you realized you needed to get together. Now, that's not to say that words aren't important in between each other. I mean, they say that 10% of what we communicate are the words themselves, right? You know, uh, in addition to words, facial expression, tone of voice, you know, your body language, timing. But, you know, when, when Beth and I were dating, we lived long, long apart, and uh, we sent letters to each other, and that was an important phase of our, our life together. But in order to, to recognize whether or not we were ready to live the rest of our lives together, we needed to, to spend some time face-to-face. And certainly a proposal, I wouldn't want any of you to miss out on the joy of a moment that needs to be in person. So what does it say to us that God would show up with his message face-to-face? What does it say? You know, the best way to send a message is to wrap it in a person. That's the best way to send a message. But what does it say? Well, for one thing, it affirms you. Let's take a look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. This great affirmation of human life. Hear God's word this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, 
And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, to his own people, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. May God bless us this morning through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God bless us now through this word, not only to our minds to understand it, but to our hearts that we may receive it so that through our lives, we may live it in Jesus' name, amen. There are times in your life when someone has just shown up, right? It's burned into your memory. Times in my life when, when the chips were down and somebody just showed up or, or a celebration where the people you love were there and it was an overwhelming sense of gratitude that you felt it's burned into your memory because there's such weight and worth that comes with a message that says, I came for you. Emmanuel is the name of this season. It's the Christmas season, but we call it Emmanuel because Jesus was predicted or prophesied as the one who would be called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. Let's take a look at John chapter one through the lens of this name, Emmanuel. Even though John doesn't use that word Emmanuel, John chapter one describes what Emmanuel means. It means that Jesus is God, that he is human, and that he is with us. That's where we're going this morning. Jesus is God. He's, he, he's human and he's with us. First, he's God and he wants to be known. He made you to know him. That's what Emmanuel first affirms. It affirms your life because Jesus came, the one who is God came to be known by you. And when, now listen closely, when you know that you were made for God, when you know your purpose, you know your worth. Until you know your purpose, you won't really know your worth. And so the first affirmation is just that Jesus is God and he came to affirm the fact that he made you for himself, as Augustine says, and our hearts are restless until they rest in him. So the first affirmation is simply Jesus is God and he made you to know him. 
What a great affirmation. And until you know that purpose, you won't know your worth. Imagine, you know, just taking a, a, a watch and saying, is this a good watch? You know, here's a watch. Is this a good watch? Now, let's take this watch and let's pound in a nail with it, all right? Let's pound in a nail. Is it a good watch? Is it a very good watch for pounding in a nail? But when you know its purpose, then you know its worth. You know, a, a hunk of steel can make a two-pound mallet. What's that worth? A hunk of steel can make a thousand of these. When you know your purpose, you know your worth. What we see here in the scriptures is Jesus clearly signaled as God. Not just bringing words, 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 but to be the word, the final word. The word that God spoke over creation through Jesus brought all things into being. He spoke life. He spoke out of nothing. And so when it says, in the beginning, what does that sound like? It sounds like, on purpose, yes, Genesis. In the beginning, God. And instead, what John substitutes here is, in the beginning was the Word. And then he goes on to say, well, who's the Word? The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And he goes back and ties the Old Testament and the New Testament together. You begin to see the prophecy of Elijah, of Isaiah. You can't really even understand the Christmas season without Isaiah. You begin to see that, that what's being woven together here is the Old and the New Covenant, the prefigured Christ in the Old Testament, the Messiah, Emmanuel, Jesus is God. And the fact that God would make creation, and even though we're broken, visit the planet, enter creation, become one of us. What a great affirmation. You say, that is such a great affirmation. Who could imagine a greater imagination, uh, 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 affirmation? Well, you know also that there's a problem here, right? The problem is that even though you know your purpose is to know God, that he made you for, for, your, for himself, and that's a great affirmation that he came to reveal himself. You don't really want to be known, do you? Right? We hide. We hide from people that we know the most. We often hide. And so there's a, a next step here we need to take. Emmanuel means that Jesus is God. But it also means that Jesus is human. He came to know us at our worst. He came to know us at our deepest need. We try to hide in the darkness. We try to find security and safety in hiding, but he comes after us. You know, you've got somebody like this, somebody who, you know, you, you try to hide and they just draw you out and you're thankful for it later. It's a little annoying at first. It's like, leave me alone. Give me my space. You know, come on, give it a rest. And then and then they find out what's really going on and they draw that poison out of you, that thing that you're saying to yourself or that thing that, you know, imagine this, somebody who, who has 
contracted a disease and they don't know what to do and it's very isolating. You know that? One of the beautiful things about being a community of faith is that we know we're keeping up with each other and we don't let each other get isolated. When somebody is dying, we, we go to their homes, we pursue them. When somebody's in the hospital, we find out, we let them know that we're caring about them. We move towards people when they try to isolate themselves. That's what it means that Jesus, Emmanuel, became a human being. It's so isolating to have, make a huge mistake and want to hide with it. But then, then, you discover that somebody else made that mistake too. It's so isolating to contract a, a disease and to feel like, gosh, I'm all alone with this pain and with this, this mystery of what's going to happen next. And then you find someone who's been through it, who's walked that mile, who's been in your shoes and suddenly you feel more human connection than you've ever felt in your life. God with us means that Jesus is human. Put on flesh in order to seek us out in the places where we would hide behind our fig leaf. He became human in order to seek us out into the darkness where we find comfort and peace, just even though it's lonely there, we at least don't feel ashamed. Even though it's lonely there, we at least can sort of have our own space. He came to break into that darkness, to bring light there. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Packer J.F. Packer, probably the world's uh, best theologian in terms of understanding what the Reformed tradition is and what, what Calvinism is and, and just understanding the, the whole Reformation. He said this, Packer says this, God became man. The divine son became a Jew. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises, needing to go be fed and changed and caught to talk like any other child. The babyhood of the Son of God was a reality. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as is the truth of the incarnation. The Word, what? Became what? Became flesh. Became flesh. The best way to send a message is what? To wrap it in a person. What an affirmation. Can we get even better than that? Can we, can we see an even greater affirmation than the two we've seen so far that, that God would become, that Jesus would be identified as God and, and that, that Jesus would identify himself with humanity even though we would hide, especially because he would hide? Well, the final affirmation is, is this. Jesus is God. Jesus is a human. Jesus is with us. With us why? With us to strengthen us. With us in our weakness to bring strength. Jesus is God, human, and with us. Pursuing us to the ends of the earth. In our weakness 
to strengthen us in that place. Let me tell you a little story to illustrate what I'm talking about here. Because it, it may seem at first blush that it's very self-evident if you've heard this before, you know anything about Christianity. But, but on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, I want you to receive something this morning. The presence of God would be with you. Before I, I want to tell it, that, before I tell that story, just remember back to the Old Testament. God has always wanted to dwell with his people. The tabernacle was a place of God's presence with his people. And in fact, if you go back to the original language, it says that, that he dwelt among us. He dwelt among us, verse 14. The original language says he tabernacled with us. He pitched his tent. He in other words, took on flesh in order to be with us because he made us for himself. Our hearts are restless until he rests. And for whatever reason, which we'll discover in just a minute, even though we are unworthy, he's present with us. And the presence of God is really what it's all about. The presence of God. You see, when, when Moses wanted to see God's face, God protected him from it. What did he say? He said, all right, I'm going to pass by you, and you can see me on my way by. And Moses, the glory on his faith was so stark and so frightening that he had to put a veil on in order to come down from Mount Sinai and others to even gaze upon his faith, face because he had seen the glory of God. How long can you look at the sun? For how long can you look at the sun? You know, last year when there was the eclipse, you couldn't even look at the sun in its full eclipse. That's how powerful the sun is. To look upon the glory of God is what we're made for, but we're not ready yet. We need to be strengthened. How can God be present with us? How can God be our Emmanuel and not completely burn us up? Well... He took on human flesh. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Mendelssohn says it this way. He says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Why did he do this? He did it to strengthen us for his glory. Let me tell you a story about that. The story is a, a true story of a, a, a young girl named Mary. And Mary had been born with a cleft palate, and she had been relentlessly and mercilessly teased her entire life. This was in a, a day when when uh, they weren't fixing cleft palates so quickly as they are today, when they're infants. And so she went through life, went through childhood, being marginalized, being told that she was less than, being told that she was ugly, being told that she needed to, 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 to go away, to be on the margins of life. And one day, as it was uh, some decades ago, the practice of teachers, to test students' hearing. And so every now and then they would 
They would just simply test. And, and, and a student would walk in and, and they'd say, plug your ear and turn it away and I'm going to test your right ear, then I'm going to test your left ear, and they'd whisper something. And sometimes they'd whisper something like, the sky is blue, and they'd have to say, okay, I heard you say the sky is blue. Well, she went into Mrs. Leonard's class to uh, have her hearing tested, and she plugged up her left ear and turned her right ear away, and this is the message she heard. Mrs. Leonard said, I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little girl. See how amazing it is just to affirm somebody that even if they feel unworthy, even if they are unworthy, they are not worthless. That's the message of Emmanuel. We are unworthy, but not worthless. Tim Keller says this, he says, to be loved but not known. It's comforting but superficial. To be loved but not known. It's comforting but superficial. To be, to be known but not loved. That's our greatest fear. But to be known and loved is a little like being loved by God. That's Emmanuel. That's the message of Christmas. It's to say you're unworthy, but not worthless. It's to say there's a mustard seed of hope that I want to plant in you that says you're worth something. It's to say there's a little spark I want to put in you, and then I want to fan that spark into flame so that you will burn with my glory so that you can dwell in my glory. Well, that's, that's the message of Christmas. It's a silent affirmation. You're unworthy, but not worthless. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, and we thank you for the ways that you have affirmed us, even in the presence of this table through the cup, through the bread. Lord God, this Christmas season, as we gather with, with friends and family, as we get into our pattern, our American pattern, oh God, find us, pursue us in the places where we want to hide in the darkness that we continue to pursue. Renew us anticipating a new year that we would uh, be found by you, be known by you, and to know you. And as a result, Lord God, be strengthened with power in our inmost being, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. God with us. Amen.